Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the Hemingway List Podcast. The podcast where we do excellence daily. We're talking about Book 8, Chapter 10. Chapter 10, baby. Chapter 10? Wow. I didn't mean to say Chapter 10 then, but my brain... Um, God, there's a real rhythm recently to this podcast, and part of the rhythm is me saying something thinking, should I start the episode again? And then going, nah, I'll make a joke out of it. And then making a joke about it and thinking, oh, I've made that joke before. Should I start the episode again? And then just pushing on. And that's just what happened in my brain. Um, <clears throat> and here we are. Chapter 10, baby. Natasha is having some serious feelings about Anatole's flirting. How would Andre react if he knew this was happening. Uh, I think Andre would be pretty cool about it, you know? He said that weird thing when they parted for a year. And he was like, you know, if anything happens with you and another guy, it's all good. That's just a sign that this wasn't meant to be. It was something like that. That a complete paraphrase, and I've put a lot of words into Andre's mouth just then. But he said something like that, where it was just like, you know, we'll have a one-year engagement, and don't stress about if anything happens in the meantime. Super like just what will be will be mode. Um, by the way, still on the temporary microphone. You know what? I might boost you up a little bit. Let me give you a couple of little pumps of volume here. What are we on? 71. I'm going to take you up to 74. I wonder if that sounds any better. Anyway, it's only temporary. Um, definitely in the next uh, few days I'll be setting up the new setup I'm migrating I've packed up my Mac it's over 10 years old now my Mac and I usually record this podcast using Reaper but then I don't like applying effects with Reaper because I'm not very good at it so I transport it over to Final Cut Pro which is actually a video editing software but I've got a little um, set of vocal effects that I just kind of auto control copy paste the effects from yesterday's episode to today so I just grab the same bunch of effects and apply them every day in one go copy effects paste effects uh, anyway that makes my volume sound better it makes my voice sound nicer it gets rid of some hiss it does all these different processing things Anyway, I've got this Mac set up, which I only really ever use now for the podcast. Everything else I do on my PC. And I think it's about time that I figured out how to use Reaper properly so that I don't need Final Cut Pro to put some nice vocal effects on. And once I've done that, I can pack down the Mac. Maybe I'll sell it. Who knows? You don't care. <laughs> Just thinking out loud here. Anyway, um, I thought with the whole move... And I'm setting up my office afresh. I'm setting up a whole house afresh. I thought it's time to make that transition. So that's what I'm doing. So, anyway. Um, discussion prompt two. The fourth and final act of the play is only described as a devil who sang, waved his arms until tree boards were pulled from under him and he sank down below. What do you think Tolstoy is trying to say with this imagery? 
I don't know if it was just that they didn't have much technology back then for like cool lighting effects and stage effects, but it just every time he described the play, it seemed like a high school theatre production or something. Um, but it was like a very, very grandiose opera, so that was weird. Final question, I'll add what Caucus Tree posted in past readings here. How would you answer Natasha's questions at the end of the chapter if she was asking you, what on earth is it? What is this fear that I feel before him? What is this remorse that I feel now? And am I lost for Prince Andre's love or not? Rahul the Invader, sorry, Rahul the Invader, says, well, it is kind of Andre's fault, isn't it? You have a clandestine engagement and basically check out she is going to have self-doubts. Andre anticipated this, which is why he asked her to talk to Pierre if she went through such a phase. Unfortunately, I don't think Natasha knows Pierre well enough to divulge her internal state to him. I feel it is to signify... Oh, this is answer to number two, about the, uh, the fourth act of the play. I feel it is to signify the state she's in. Meeting Anatole awakens new feelings in her, and a rug is pulled out from her feet on what she considered so far as normal, that is, marrying Andre and joining the Volkonsky family. Kara Kikas says, I feel for Natasha. Modern teens get to make all kinds of fun mistakes before they have to settle down. I don't think Anatole is a good guy, but I bet it would be a fun fling where he breaks your heart and you burn everything he gave you at the end. Uh, I think that's kind of his vibe, isn't it? And... We spoke yesterday about, like, someone was said, what, what's Helena up to? You know, why is she inviting Natasha over? Being so nice to her and charming her and her father. And, yeah, I think she's just sort of wingmanning for her brother, for Anatoly, because she knows Anatoly wants to uh, have a little affair. And I think it's just... I think they're gross. I think those two are just disgusting people. Uh, okay. Ryan Dundev says, It's like watching a car crash happen in slow motion. Who knows what Andre thinks at this point. He's been absent so long he might as well be on the moon and could well be completely different. I can feel his missing presence as the reader, especially since something awful is brewing. And Fragrant Squirrel 99 says, Drama. I agree. I think lots of this is Andre's fault. Where the heck is he? They keep saying he'll be there any day now. Andre is a better guy, but seriously, he has no clue right now. Anatole is a tool and probably up to no good. I'm not sure if I think Natasha should end up with Andre, but I hope someone steps in and protects her from Anatole. I do think something has changed in her heart. For Andre, that will get in the way when he returns. <laughs> oh, Andre. You're um, tempting fate. What do they say when the cat's away, the mouse mice will play or something like that? I don't really know what that means, but there we go. I'm saying it. it seems vaguely related, relevant. All right, chapter 11. Here we go. Anatole Karagin was staying in Moscow because his father had sent him away from Petersburg, where he had been spending 20,000 rubles a year in cash. Besides running up debts for as much more, which his creditors demanded from his father. His father announced to him that he would now pay half his debts for the last time, but only on condition that he went to Moscow as adjutant to the commander-in-chief, a post his father had procured for him, 
and would at last try to make a good match there. He indicated to him Princess Mary and Julie Karagina. Anatole consented and went to Moscow where he put up at Pierre's house. Pierre received him unwillingly at first, but got used to him after a while, sometimes even accompanied him on his carousels and gave him money under the guise of loans. As Shinshin had remarked from the first time of his arrival, Anatole had turned the heads of the Moscow ladies, especially by the fact that he slighted them and plainly preferred the gypsy girls and French actresses, with the chief of whom, Mademoiselle Georges, he was said to be on intimate relations. He had never missed a carousel at Danislov's and of other Moscow revellers, drank whole nights through, outvying everyone else, and was at all the balls and parties of the best society. Just pause there for a second to say that when they refer to French actresses, they're talking about uh, prostitutes, sex workers, if you will. And this Mademoiselle George is mentioned, I think, a few times in this book. So the fact that he has an intimate relationship with her means that I think he's not just a client of hers, but actually, you know, on well, closer terms than that. So that paints a real picture about this Anatole character. He's in very, very high society, but he's also so connected with this uh, kind of sordid culture of gypsies and and sex workers. Uh, I think that's fascinating. I really do think that whoever said yesterday they, a story from the point of view, or this story from the point of view of um, of Helena and Anatole, would be awesome. I think that's really true. It would be awesome to read that. Ah, okay. Continue. There was talk of his intrigues, of his intrigues with some of the ladies, and he flirted with a few of them at the balls, but he did not run after the unmarried girls, especially the rich heiresses who were most of them plain. There was a special reason for this, as he had got married two years before, a fact known only to his most intimate friends. At that time, while with his regiment in Poland, a Polish landowner of small means, had forced him to marry his daughter. Anatole had very soon abandoned his wife, and for a payment which he agreed to send to his father-in-law, had arranged to be free to pass himself off as a bachelor. Anatole was always content with his position, with himself, and with others. He was instinctively and thoroughly convinced that it was impossible for him to live otherwise than he did, and that he had never in his life done anything base. He was incapable of considering how his actions might affect others or what the consequences of this or that action of his might be. He was convinced that as a duck is so made that it must live in water, so God had made him such that he must spend 30,000 rubles a year and always occupy a prominent position in society. He believed this so firmly that others looking at him were persuaded of it too and did not refuse him either a leading place in society or money which he borrowed from anyone and everyone and evidently would not repay. He was not a gambler at any rate. He did not care about winning. He was not vain. He did not mind what people thought of him. Still less could he be accused of ambition. More than once he had vexed his father by spoiling his own career and he laughed at his distinctions of all kinds. He was not mean and did not refuse anyone who asked of him. All he cared about was gaiety and women and as according to his ideas there was nothing dishonourable in these tastes, and he was incapable of considering that the gratification of his tastes entailed 
for others, he honestly considered himself irreproachable, sincerely despised rogues and bad people, and with a tranquil conscience carried his high, his head high. Rakes, those male Magdalenes, have a secret feeling of innocence similar to that which female Magdalenes have, based on some hope for forgiveness. All will be forgiven her, for she loved much, and all will be forgiven him, for he enjoyed much. Dolokhov, who had reappeared that year in Moscow after his exile and his Persian adventures, and was leading a life of luxury, gambling and dissipation associated with his old Petersburg comrade Kuragin, and made use of him for his own ends. Anatoly was sincerely fond of Dolokhov for his cleverness and audacity. Dolokhov, who needed Anatoly Kuragin's name, position and connections as a bait to draw rich young men into his gambling set, made use of him and amused himself at his expense without letting the other feel it. Apart from the advantage he derived from Anatole, the very process of dominating others' will was in itself a pleasure, a habit and a necessity to Dolokhov. Natasha had made a strong impression on Kuragin. At supper after the opera, he described Dolokhov with the air of a connoisseur, the attractions of her arms, shoulders, feet and hair, and expressed his intention of making love to her. Anatole had no notion and was incapable of considering what might come of such lovemaking, as he never had any notion of the outcome of any of his actions. She's first rate, my dear fellow, but not for us, replied Dolokhov. I will tell my sister to ask her to dinner, said Anatole. Eh? You'd better wait till she's married. You know, I adore little girls, though they lose their heads at once, pursued Anatole. You've been caught once already by a little girl, said Dolokhov, who knew of Karagin's marriage. Take care. Well, that can't happen twice, eh? said Anatole with a good-humoured laugh. All right, there we go, little weasel Anatole, trying to weasel his way in to young Natasha's uh, pants. <laughs> Evidently, not a good look, Anatole. Have your say about the chapter over on the subreddit. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.